0: Star Wars is a vast universe. Just as our own galaxy is full of wonderful and strange characters, the Star Wars universe is as diverse in characters as it has number of stars. With each film and show that comes out, we get treated to some very interesting characters. We've got bounty hunters, scavengers, aliens, creatures who fix and fly ships to droids who hunt and keep secrets. Star Wars has given us some of pop culture's most popular personas. We've got Boba Fett, Greedo, Lobot, Quinlan Voss, Gecko, and a slew of others. We've managed to demand as fans that these side characters be given a history. It's a testament to the world building that Lucas established so many years ago. Chances are, you have a favorite side character... That's our topic tonight Star Wars Side Hustle. Strap in and enjoy the latest Scarf Scuttlebutt podcast.
1: This is Marisha from Coruscant Radio Underground.
2: And this is Yana
3: from the Padawan Report.
1: And this is the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast, your source for everything going on in that galaxy far, far away.
3: And that's the Scuttlebutt.
2: The dark side is a pathway to many abilities. One Some consider to be unnatural. Natural. I love that scene, man. That is I just used. the new one in the new movie, or uh, no, 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 the, from, from, from the, the pre- classic Preples. for the prequels. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you ever heard the story? I love how his voice cracks at the yeah. beginning of that.
1: Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise?
3: No. I thought not. It's not a story the
4: Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend.
0: Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith. So powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the Midi Chlorians to create life. He's he's, He's the best actor in the prequels.
2: Uh, he's uh yeah, he's phenomenal. I s- because you know what, his character, um, I think is the one that could ham it up as much as possible, and it still worked. Yeah, like you, Obi Wan hams it up, and it kind of is like eh, Anakin hams it up, and it doesn't really right. work. But when Palpatine hams it up and really goes full like deep Sith Lord, yeah, it works. And why do you think that is? Is it the actor or the character? I think it's a it's the character, honestly. Like I'm not trying to take any. Scarab Control, this is TK
0: two two six. Come in, scare of Control. You know what? I don't know why there's no answer.
2: I've been sitting here on the comm for how long now? Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yes. So, can I give it a try? Hey, yeah, you're
0: more than welcome to try. Hey, I've been meaning to ask you how it went with that, uh, green
2: friend of yours, uh, what's her name? Oh, well, uh, that was a while ago, but, um, it was, it was a difficult evening, you know? Really? I can only imagine. You know, her species is known for... Oh, that explains a lot. How
0: did I miss that? How did you miss that? What? I don't know, if you haven't tried the Denarian Spin
2: at least once in your life, I don't... You know, it's not that big a deal.
5: TK226, TK388, your comm's been open all this time. Would you guys mind starting the podcast,
3: please? Thanks. Denarian Spin. <laughs> You've tuned in to the fastest growing Star Wars podcast on this side of Moss Eisley. Grab your sunscreen and your blasters. This is the Scarif Podcast.
0: First of all, thank you very much. Uh, we had uh, another new little open. We like to indulge in the dramatics. I uh, hope you guys enjoy that little skit. Shout out to my brother from Another Mother kane blust for helping us out he plays the commander that officer that we were trying to contact (laughs) uh and previously he was the officer uh that dies in the last one after a laser uh, a blaster hit it's funny uh i went to high school with him and we've always been um you know writing like fan fiction and things like that and uh for some reason i always write uh a death scene for him he he always (laughs) uh he always Points out and reminds me that uh, he'll always pop his head up you know, as a character, and all of a sudden I just blow him away for some reason. So that's kind of funny.
2: Is he the Sean Bean to your fan fiction <laughs> row?
0: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. Thank you, Kane Blust and Candace, his wife, who also helps him uh, helps us out from time to time. She was the deck officer voice in our last rendition of the open. Uh, so if you guys want to go follow Kane Blust and Splu. Uh, Candace, uh, her Twitter is SPL double O tell them, thank you for, uh, helping the scare of scuttlebutt out with, uh, with those opens. But, um, we got another, uh, little dramatic, uh, thing that we're working on and hopefully, uh, soon we'll be able to, uh, dish that out. Uh, it's a little bit more extensive, but, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Isn't it, Alex? I,
2: I hope so. I hope people enjoy it. I, I don't like writing fan fiction type stuff because I feel embarrassed by it I uh, I typically try and stay away from that stuff because I feel like I, I, I convince myself that it's dumb <laughs> 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 kind of like how I, when I was describing it to you and I was like well oh, I guess that doesn't really make any sense then huh <laughs> well this is kind of pointless like I do that in my head all the time yeah. so uh, yeah hopefully I can I can kind of write it to make it fun and everybody can enjoy it and uh, I enjoy doing the voices and stuff like that it's always cool to be to be a Sith Lord so yeah
0: and I enjoy putting all that stuff together with the little sound effects and music. So oh, it, it sounds amazing.
2: I love hearing the stuff after I give it to you and you edit it and put all the music and stuff like that. It sounds so great. It's a lot of fun. So I want
0: to uh, thank the uh, some of our listeners who left us a voicemail regarding the subject tonight, Star Wars background characters. And just to remind you guys, the Scarf voicemail hotline, if you guys want to leave a message with us, it is 773 234 8659. Give us a call anytime, any day. Uh, if you have insomnia at four in the morning, pick up that phone, 773 234 8659. Leave us a message. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. You know, Star Wars is a vast universe, it's a vast galaxy of. Uh, of who's who in uh, both uh, the Empire, the Rebellion, and all the characters in between. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, as we get into our episode. But, uh, you know, first I want to mention, um, I got a weird email today, I guess, from iTunes, and uh, we hit another milestone. Our international audience is growing, apparently, and we recently ranked in the the top 50 on Apple Podcasts
2: in Taiwan. So that's kind of cool that is kind of cool I wonder <laughs> wow that's a great that's cool man I don't know I, I guess uh, a lot of English speaking uh, people who love Star Wars over there or, or how does that work I guess uh, thank you to our Taiwan friends and
0: listeners holler back let us know uh, where uh, where you guys are at and how you. Uh, how you found us, but uh, we have another uh, buddy of mine. Uh, Nathan has uh, mentioned that maybe Yoshi brought them over, but uh, Yoshi was working at ILM in uh, Singapore. Yeah. So um, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe we get some spillback from, uh, from some of those uh, areas. So uh, Taiwan, thank you very much for uh, listening to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. I wanted to mention, uh, there's some stuff in the news happening, but uh, one of the things that kind of um, caught my attention is uh, John Favreau uh, recently uh, invited Star Wars alumni Phil Tippett to work on The Mandalorian's second season, uh, an article in Heroic Hollywood by Ahil Diana or Diani, I'm butchering the name, I'm sure, but uh, talk about uh, one of the most proficient, uh, prominent forces in visual effects. Phil Tippett has worked on films uh, other than Star Wars, which includes, uh, Alex, your favorite, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, RoboCop, other films, uh, you know. So John Favreau got on Twitter and uh, pretty much invited him uh, to work on some material in the Mandalorian season two. I think this would make a really great reunion for, you know, folks behind the scenes now, uh, kind of melding the, uh, the legacy technology and the legacy artists with, uh, some of the people that are creating star Wars nowadays. I think that would be an amazing, uh, an amazing team up. What do you think, Alex?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you get some of these legendary visual effects artists that created these universes that we love so dearly, um, involved in some of the newer things, it, it, it helps not only behind the scenes, giving that morale boost and and for fans like us who love that kind of information, who really get excited for it, but in the universe as well, we have that kind of, we can, we can relive that feeling and, and get that textual uh, like kind of like the way Yoshi was describing how rogue one was made to feel like the old uh, star Wars movies. It's this, it's kind of the same thing. You bring on these guys who worked on the original ones and they can kind of bring their, their, uh, aesthetic uh, way of making and creating creatures and and designing certain spaceships and stuff like that. And then setting up shots. Like we have that uh, that visual cue that can kind of bring us back uh, to where it all started. So uh, anytime Lucasfilm, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, uh, anybody that's working on some of these projects can bring in some of the old school talent uh, who started it all, 100% for it. I love that idea.
0: Yeah, and I think Phil Tippett was one of the first employees that George Lucas hired back in, uh, in the 70s to work on Star Wars. And, uh, you know, again, uh, if anybody knows uh, my background, it, it was one of my inspirations. Uh, I wanted to read as much as I could about uh, the folks that were creating this uh, universe. And, uh, Phil Tippett, uh, working on the Mandalorian would be an amazing, an amazing thing. Alex, you are definitely familiar with the story of Phil Tippett and his work on Jurassic park, especially, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Phil Tippett was trying to do the dinosaurs practically with uh, stop motion, uh, you know, King of stop motion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, you know, Dennis Murin was kind of working, a. Uh, uh, I guess, you know, on another technology with 3D animation and stuff, you're familiar with uh, Phil Tippett's line?
2: Yeah, yeah, very familiar. So if, if you guys um, are fans of Jurassic Park, or even if you've just watched, seen the movie at any point, there's a very specific line that um, Dr. Alan Grant and Dr. Ian Malcolm are discussing with each other. Uh, the idea of creating dinosaurs, the real world, and rec- recreating them with genetic uh, technology. Uh, Dr. Alan Grant says, I think we're out of a job. Being a paleontologist and digging up bones, his study has now become pointless because we have real-life uh, animals to study instead. And Ian Malcolm's response to that is, don't you mean extinct? And that line was taken from an actual production meeting with Steven Spielberg, Phil Tippett, Dennis Mirren, and, uh, and the production crew, they were all having a very similar conversation about the stop motion and, and uh, uh, technology that uh, Tippett was kind of leaning on as far as Jurassic Park was going to go. That's the direction they were going to go originally. And uh, once they saw the screen test uh, for the CGI dinosaurs and they realized how much more fluid they can make the movements and how much more they could do with these animals on screen and how real they could look. Uh, that was the line. It like, uh, looks like I'm out of a job. And then I think it was, I can't remember specifically who it was. I think Phil Tippett said, it looks like I'm out of a job. And then either Dennis or Spielberg said, don't you mean extinct? And they, they put that line into the movie as a callback to that conversation. Uh, but thankfully, because Spielberg is a stand, stand-up guy, he took Phil Tippett's knowledge of stop motion and uh, creating lifelike animations uh, from from still images and he used that to help Dennis Mirren uh, animate the characters within the CGI model. And they actually created uh, small hand, like the, things that they could move with their hands uh, shaped like dinosaurs. Like they had a T-Rex, that they had a tail, and they would physically move this little animatronic robot and it would translate it into the computer. So Phil Tippett still had a, a big hand in creating that movie. And uh, even though his, his craft was kind of being pushed aside for the new technology uh, Spielberg still allowed him to uh, to continue guiding that technology forward which is a it's a great it's a stand-up move you know he could have just booted the guy and done something else but he kept him around and uh, and he used the knowledge that he had and his expertise uh, to their advantage and as a jurassic park shill and somebody who loves jurassic park i think it paid off very well
0: yeah I th- was it you that posted or i think uh you reacted to somebody's post regarding watching the uh, original jurassic park and how uh, still, even after all these years, it still holds up. You still see the T Rex, uh, the three D T Rex, and uh, it's still an amazing thing to to behold. Uh, it's that type of fire that that really excites me. the The collaboration between those artists behind the scenes that really, I mean, you know, ILM, the uh, forefront of uh, you know movie special effects, and now uh, you know we spoke to Yoshi and and Dominic Pace about uh, the three D screens. I mean, they really are at the forefront, and I'm really excited to to see what they have in store for Mandalorian season two.
2: I can't tell you how excited I am it's It's kind of beyond words for me. like you know all the the stuff in the front, the actors, the main characters, Daisy Ridley, John boyega, Mark Hamill, uh, you know Carrie Fisher when she was still here, Harrison Ford, like it's cool. It's really cool to see them interact with fans and talk, but when you start digging into the background, uh people who are making this stuff possible. It's so cool, man! It just it gets me all geeked up and excited. Like I know nothing about this world except that I'm a fan of of their art and of, of what they do. Like you, you have a more technical background than I do. You kind of uh, do a lot of this editing, and you're into the TV and film uh, industry. But I'm just kind of looking from the outside, looking in through this window, and I'm just like, oh my god, you guys are magicians! It's amazing. Like I, I can't sing praises enough of these people and the technology that they're pushing forward. And um, when I saw some of the behind the scenes set photos of the Mandalorian, where they have this 360 degree, uh, basically LED or LCD TV screen that just projects the background of the planets and mountain ranges and, and buildings and stuff like that. And then they just have a, a single small set in the center and realizing that they have been able to put that on screen and it looks completely flawless uh, that that's quite an accomplishment. And I think one of the things, the legacy of George Lucas is, is pushing this new technology forward. And I think, you know, I, I think we all know cats out of the bag that George wasn't super impressed with a sequel trilogy as far as, because his goal was always to push technology forward and to, to go farther than anybody else had. And I feel like that's happening on the small screen with Disney plus and with John Favreau and Dave Filoni. I feel like they're, they're really trying to lean more in that direction, and I, I applaud them for it. That's really cool. It's awesome, Alex. Uh, to your point, you know, we've got a, a, a new uh, Jurassic
0: Park movie coming, and there's been a lot of talk, uh, a lot of images that have been released uh, by uh, Mr. Trevor Roe, and um, it's a very exciting thing talk a little bit about how that those images excite you from a behind the scenes uh, perspective we see like little baby dinosaurs and they're moving yeah. around and obviously with the film that was released the short film that was released um, it's it's an exciting thing not only for star wars but for films in general uh, when it comes to the specialized genre the the, the geek genre
2: yeah, for sure, and, and I, I, I don't know. He's probably not going to ever hear this, but Colin Trevorrow is a fan, as you call them, Roe, an awesome fan ambassador. Um, he yes. he constantly is out on Twitter. He'll respond to almost anybody as far as Jurassic World goes, uh, if they have a question or if they tweet something just saying thank you for something he, he typically he'll either like it or he'll respond res- he's responded to a couple of my things and I'm, I'm just like blown away by that that somebody up on this level as busy as he is has the time to come and and like speak the fans on twitter and interact with them and um one of the things i remember him saying in the behind the scenes footage of the first movie jurassic world is that he really felt the need um to uh, hold on let me rephrase this um he was talking about the, the difference between CGI and animatronics uh, as far as Jurassic Park goes. And there was a scene that was supposed to be in the movie where the Indominus Rex comes and there's like a, one of those like, you know, like a theme park type um, animatronic dinosaur. That's kind of like an attraction for people to come and see, to advertise for something. It wasn't actually like a, a, an animal in the park in, in filming. It was, there in the story how am i describing this (laughs) in the story there's an animatronic t-rex that's just kind of like your average like kids park animatronic thing and this indominus rex comes in and the indominus rex in the movie i believe was 100 cgi and it comes and it rips the head off of the animatronic t-rex and steven spielberg came to trevorrow and and said hey look um like this is a great sequence and i'm sure it would be fine but you're going to send the message to the fans that your CGI dinosaur is better than the animatronic one. So we might <laughs> want to take that out of the movie. And Colin is like, oh my God, I never even considered that. You're totally right. That is what they're going to think. And he took it out of the movie wow. because he because he has that respect for the fans and he has that respect for the lineage of the behind the scenes uh, like Stan Winston's whole studio that created the original T-Rex for the first movie. Like there's a there's a nostalgic uh, and a, a value to that and a and a legacy to um creating these dinosaurs in the real world to give not only the actors something to act against and to to see physically but also for the audience to connect connect to and uh, that's something that in in today's world and in, in Hollywood it's so easy to just hire some VFX studio and say hey this is what I want make it happen and then close the door and walk away and come back a couple months later and have it on your plate. Um, But the, the filmmakers that take the extra time to create these things in animatronic and in real world and hire these studios that can make these puppets. uh, That's something that Colin has been uh, pushing for in all three of these movies Uh, in in fallen kingdom. They have a a fully uh, puppet puppeteered uh, Raptor, uh, that moves and blinks, and they have like four or five different puppeteers underneath the table making it all work. So, uh, seeing these photos that he's releasing for the new movie with a new baby, um, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm butchering this name, but it's Nosudoceratops.
0: Wow, that's
3: it's very, the- very good.
2: I'm a dinosaur man. Yeah, it's, uh, totally. it's, it's the dinosaur we see in Battle of Big Rock. Uh, the little baby one it has the two horns; looks like a bull. You, you know, it's not something that he has to do, and, and it's it's the extra mile that some of these filmmakers and these studios take to to really show that they respect where these films came from uh, and and the fans that fell in love with them in the first place, and who want to see more um, more movies and more stuff come to the screen. Uh, so it's just. It's just a warm, fuzzy feeling all around sure. uh, when I think about it. You know, it's, it's so nice to see guys like Dave Filoni and John Favreau doing the same thing with Star Wars um, with the Mandalorian, sticking with a lot of practical effects as well as merging in some of that CGI that George loves and uh, bringing that new technology in, but also honoring and respecting the ILM, the original ILM guys that were sure. driving, driving pickup trucks and, and throwing fireworks at the Death Star yeah. to make the shot work. So it's uh, it's really cool to see, and it, it geeks me out. I love watching that kind of stuff, and uh, and I I want to shine. I know me and you have talked about this. I think shining the spotlight on those people more so uh, nowadays is even more important um, with with all the big productions and big CGI uh, uh, blockbuster movies that we see. I think. Uh, The people who make those things come to life on screen are underappreciated.
0: So, guys, when we posted our idea to talk about this subject, we uh, got a lot of response from uh, a lot of uh, our followers and a lot of our uh, pod people friends. Uh, We uh, put out uh, the Scarif voicemail hotline and uh, we did get a couple of entries uh, from uh, our friends uh, let's take a listen to one or two of uh, our voicemails regarding favorite background characters, why we like them, and uh, let's roll one of those interviews. And uh, we'll uh, hit you back when we're when we return on the streets of Coruscant. <laughs>
4: Hey, Scuttle Buddies. This is Pete Fletcher from Around the Galaxy. I hope you guys are doing great. And I see that you're doing a topic about crazy, famous background characters like Boba Fett and Captain Phasma. And, you know, I I think that that's one of the things that makes Star Wars what Star Wars is. It's the cool factor. And I think characters like Phasma, like Fett, like, um I don't know, even Darth Maul. These underused, underutilized well hyped characters are kind of what attract us to Star Wars. Sure, we love Luke and Leia and Han and and Anakin and and Obi Wan, but the ones that we have on our desks, as I look around my my desk at my my pop figures and my action figures and my Legos, it's the side characters. There's very few of the main ones that I keep, and I think that's because Star Wars has found a way to make those characters interesting, and it gives us a lot to think about and a lot of head canon to to. Bring to ourselves and bring to the to the stories themselves, and then inevitably we do get the full story somewhere, but I think it is just it's it's a combination of cool looks, interesting sounds, and interesting possibilities that keep these side characters in our hearts and in our minds way after the movie and way after their 47 seconds of fame guys i think that does it for my 47 seconds of fame enjoy listening to you all the time keep up the great work guys and may the force be with you
0: Hey, thanks a lot, Pete. That was Pete Fletzer, our pod people friend from the uh, Around the Galaxy podcast. Uh, Very proud to uh, have him as part of our uh, little circle of friends here. Pete had posted a poll regarding side characters uh, a couple of weeks ago, middle of February. He says most overhyped and underused from Star Wars sequels vote. So he had a poll And four side characters that he chose were Sith Troopers, Knights of Ren, Captain Phasma, and the Praetorian Guards from uh, The Last Jedi. And uh, those are all some really great looking side characters. We don't know a whole bunch, uh, you know, a lot of their background, except for maybe Captain Phasma after the book, uh, which I I, I didn't read, but uh, it seems like uh, those... Out of those four characters, Captain Phasma seems to be a little bit more known. But uh, the results on his poll, the final results after 267 votes, uh, the most overhyped and underused from the Star Wars sequels turns out to be the Knights of Ren. Even though we did get a little bit more in the Rise of Skywalker uh, of the Knights of Ren, uh, more so than The Force Awakens, we still uh, came on top at 51%. And obviously, uh, a close second, uh, and she seems to be a very uh, a fan favorite as well. Captain Phasma at 34% for the over, uh, most overhyped and underused uh, for a character in Star Wars sequels. So, thank you very much, Pete, for sharing those results with us here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Let's hear some more voicemails. <laughs>
1: Hey, Roland Crude, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR, Galactic Public Access, just weighing in on the Boba Fett uh, topic, and so I think the appeal for Boba Fett and pretty much any of the ancillary characters is just, what's their story, what's happening, why is that person wearing this, and, you know, and I think the appeal and what you see in The Mandalorian is a byproduct of Boba Fett, and that faceless character, you know, kind of imbues, like, that could be me, and it's not really, like, a hero face character. And so I think that's where you get the mystery and the appeal of something like Boa Fett. I mean, he's in in the movie for, like, six minutes, probably has less than 30, like, 40 words uh, spoken, but it's just the costume kind of speaks volumes. And that's where we get kind of, you know... Any of those bar scenes, what we're seeing in all, you know, all the movies of, of Star Wars, it becomes kind of almost like it's in story kind of trope. Like there's a bunch of characters in there and we don't know what they're doing or how they're, how, how they're, how the place is in the universe. But that's what makes it appealing and that's why we get all kind of these side stories. Yeah, I, I think that's where like fet is probably one of my favorite characters. It is my favorite character. I feel like he just uh, kind of imbues what Star Wars is all about, and having, you know, not such a hero character, but somebody just trying, as Jingle put it, you know, just try just a simple man trying to make my way through the game. Um And if I could quote, um, you know, the, the great philosopher Peter Griffin, uh, he said, you know, I'll, I'll bet, I, uh, even a sure bet, uh, I, I, I'll bet every all my Star Wars collection, but not not with that, Nah, I never risk the the Fett man. And I, I think that's true. It's just he's got a cool mystique, cool cool uh outfit and you know you want to know more about him uh that's why the star wars galaxy is so big you just have all these kind of other characters that are not in the main story and you can have endless possibilities of books comics
0: All right. Thank you guys for your input on background characters in Star Wars. Um, so Alex, you know, uh, like I was saying early on, Galaxy uh, Star Wars is a, a rich galaxy with uh, wonderful characters, wonderful main characters. But there's also uh, an aspect of Star Wars that uh, we get uh, treated uh, in the background as well. There's a lot of really great background characters and one of the things that uh, is so fantastic about background characters is they're so rich. Uh, a lot of different characters. Do you have a favorite background character in uh, any of the Star Wars films? And it's a hard question, but there because there is a lot, you know, from from uh, folks in Jabba's palace to the creature cantina. Uh, there's uh, you know senators uh, in the background. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and I know, you know, from comic books and novels, you know, writers have taken uh, the lead as far as, you know, kind of filling in the blanks and, and giving these characters a history. And a lot of fans have really, you know, taken up uh, a cause to be able to kind of uh, demand that uh, the creatives, you know, write stories about these background characters and give them, uh, give them uh, a history uh, and like I said, it's, it's a hard thing, but, uh, do you have any, uh, selections?
2: I, I do, uh, on like, j- let's just get the ones out of the way. Like Boba Fett, of course. Sure. Uh, I, yeah, you yeah. know, I don't know any star Wars fan who doesn't love Boba Fett. Uh, um, I know, I know a few, but <laughs> Darth Vader. Vader, he's not a background character. You said you were going to be quiet. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Boba. obviously Boba Fett, uh, you, you, I don't. I don't think anybody would, would disagree with that as far as background characters go. Limited screen time, characters that may not even have lines. Um, I would say I, I can remember Ara Singh being in oh. The Phantom Menace, and it was a super small cameo. She just showed up during the pod race, like in the middle of it, and you she was watching it from afar. And uh, I remember her specifically because she was a character that I got introduced to through a comic book. And then later on, she was in an old video game for like PlayStation or something. It was um, it was basically Twisted Metal for Star Wars. If uh, you yeah. remember that video game, sure, it was like the demolition derby kind of video game where you were in like a little spaceship and you had to shoot the other people, uh, and in their spaceships and and flying around. It was really it was a fun game. I liked it when I was a kid. Um, but Ara Singh was one of the characters that you could play, and and then I saw her in. Uh, the Phantom Menace during that that pod racing scene. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's Ara Singh. And then later on, much, much later on, we get her in the Clone Wars uh, episodes with Boba Fett, a young Boba Fett. She's kind of like uh, grooming him in the bounty hunting ways. So she was a really cool character to kind of have uh, in the background, have a limited role. And then she's got kind of expounded on throughout the years. I'm trying to think. I always liked Captain Panaka. Um, oh, uh, sure. Uh, Princess Or or Queen Amidala's uh, number one guy, her her guard. I always kind of wished we had seen more of him. He seemed, he was kind of level headed. Like he was, he was not a fan of, of, uh, uh, Amidala's kind of like shoot from the hip (laughs) way of leading. Yeah. (laughs) He was, he was kind of like, hey, let's think about this for a second. So I liked him. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, it's funny that you mentioned uh,
0: one of his characterizations. Uh, you know, these people, these characters have limited screen time, like you said. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we fill in the blanks. I mean, there, there are people that uh, obviously love Boba Fett. He's got uh, what, like six minutes of screen time in the original trilogy. But he is definitely a fan favorite, uh, you know, by all accounts. And what is it about these characters that, uh, that, catch our attention is it uh obviously we don't know a lot of them so it can't be their history you know there are people that uh really cling to the visual style of characters like aura Singh. she's very unique she's got you know that one antenna coming out of her head and she's got like a uh, freaky extra
2: long yeah extra long hands and stuff (laughs) so it's it's
0: it's things like that and especially with bounty hunters i mean people really gravitate towards the look of uh characters like boba fett so it's uh you know and then after that everything kind of falls in place the history the uh, you know the way they are the way they function we see them in other properties besides the movies uh you know so it's uh, it's definitely kind of a combination of things uh don't you think
2: yeah for sure i i think um the mystery of it uh, has a lot to do with it. Um, we, we see these characters and visually they're striking and, and props to the, uh, to the character design and, or the costume designers who create these characters from scratch just off of like, Hey, I need a couple of people to stand in this row. Um, they're bounty hunters, real quick, make them look scary. And then you have costume designers and production people behind the scenes making alien face masks and, and new outfits and stuff like that. Like I think one of the things uh, from the original 1977, you had a guy uh, in the, in the cantina that was wearing like an old Soviet astronaut outfit right. and he, you know, it's, it's cool. It's just striking weird, different images. Um, and, and, it, and that's what kind of draws people to him in the first place. And then uh, throughout the years, and because fans are so involved in the Star Wars universe, uh, these characters end up getting stories of their own, sure. and they get it and, and all this this great extra canon that kind of fills in the universe. But visually, like if you were talking about just that one minute that that kind of makes you gravitate towards that character, uh, it's it's a hundred percent the visuals, and I, that speaks a lot to Boba Fett, because Boba Fett is a really cool looking character and i think it it kind of leans on that uh old-timey knight templar uh metal armor you know with the helmet on mm-hmm. the bucket head like they used to call him like that visual style was so striking to people that they were like we want to see more of that like that was cool and and now we have this huge background story and lore behind him and you know he's he's a a fan favorite he's even might be in season 2 of the mandalorian could be uh, i don't know <laughs> if you do your research there's uh there's some heavy heavy hints at that sure. um so it's it's so cool and and of course uh, what breathes breathes life into these uh, characters is the uh, the actors behind the mask uh, allowing themselves to be accepted by the fandom. We've got guys like Dominic Pace who are, who are uh, a bounty hunter inside the Mandalorian, Daniel Logan, who was young Boba Fett from episode two. Um, he's still very heavily active in the star Wars universe. And, uh, and it goes even back to the original. I, I, I'm terribly sorry. I forgot his name at the moment, uh, but the original actor, he, he still goes to star Wars comic cons. and uh, the, Yeah. He goes to the star Wars celebrations and he's there for fans to get pictures with. And, uh, You know, that helps keep these these side characters alive, too.
0: And yeah, that's uh, definitely uh, something that uh, comes into play. Obviously, we had uh, Dominic Pace on the show a couple of times. And uh, one of the things that he mentions is to be able to, uh, you know, utilize uh, that character for, uh, you know, talking to the fans. Uh, Obviously, you know, he made his podcast round. Uh, He was he's a fan favorite. Uh, His design is uh, is unique. And again, you know, uh, attraction is based on visuals. And when you see the armor, when you see the helmet, when you see the the, the gun that these characters are are, are utilizing the equipment, um, you know, it's uh, it's love at first sight, for lack of a better term. One of our followers, Padawan of Christ, says my three favorite background characters have always been Kit Fisto, Ila Segura, and Plo Koon. He says not exactly sure why they looked cool, and again. There it's it is. all it's all visual. It's all visual. Yep. You know, you you get attracted to something or someone, and it's it's you know it's it's that first thing, that first look. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. For people who who are looking at the Jedi Temple in Episode One, uh, the Phantom Menace, we kind of get a, a glimpse at all the other Jedi there way before we get any kind of backstory or even if they have any lines. But Cloon was there, and uh, he was a very striking character. He had a really cool looking design, and uh, it definitely helps. Uh, feed that kind of fan fever, like, oh, I want to know more about this guy. And then, of course, we get a lot more about, uh, from him in uh, the animated show, The Clone Wars. Um, and he was one of the greatest Jedi out there. He helped Ahsoka. He's right there with Anakin and Obi-Wan uh, as far as uh, fighting in the Clone Wars and stuff like that. And it's, it's really cool to see these characters kind of get flushed out and, and get to see them interact inside that universe beyond just the cameo.
0: Yeah, that's uh, a great point. So we have another uh, follower, Star Wars Merc, uh, talking about their favorite character. And, uh, you know, Boba Fett, again, he mentions Boba Fett. He mentions Paz Vizsla. And uh, one thing that he does mention is uh, both exude confidence and the aura of kind of a special forces soldier who's who's seen some shit hmm. and takes care of business. So, again... It's that attitude, too, that goes along with the outfit. When we were talking to Todd uh, Hoffman over at WSTR Media, uh, especially uh, during ScarifCon last year at the comic book store, you know, there's just something about being in that outfit. You know, we had some great friends from the 501st kind of uh, escort and and guard our our uh, our little event uh, in Andersonville here in Chicago, but just something about being in that costume, uh, you know, exudes a certain attitude. And if you're, you know, decked out in the the the, the coolest Mando outfit, of course you're going to be badass. There's no question about it.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's I'm always jealous. I, like I'm not a cosplayer. I wish I had the time to devote to. uh, creating these amazing uh, costumes that these guys do but yeah when you see somebody who has a near movie quality or a beyond movie quality uh costume walking around comic-con you're like dang man that looks good like it doesn't matter who it is if it's darth vader or if it's bubble Fett or if kylo ren uh if you see somebody that has that much dedication and they look that good they they got the the details that correctly uh it's it's a it's a weird experience so like when the 501st showed up to our scare of con 20 uh 2019 yeah. i was like oh, there's a freaking stormtrooper over there <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's always fantastic to see stormtroopers like live it's uh one of the first experiences i had back in 1999 when uh, my buddy and i traveled to los angeles to wait overnight at the man's chinese theater there were stormtroopers walking around on uh hollywood and uh hollywood boulevard boulevard I was just like freaking out. That was like the first time that I had seen, you know, stormtroopers in real life. And I was I was just blown away.
2: And you can I think you can might be able to include uh, uh, stormtroopers as background characters. Like they're striking him. None of them, not many of them have lines, they're just kind of cannon fodder for the heroes. But again, it's that that aesthetic, the uh, the striking look of a star of a stormtrooper or of a clone trooper, or you know, name name one of the or even a battle. You know, you see a battle droid, you're kinda of like, whoa, ah, that's cool. um so these these background characters that get a lot of attention and a lot of love just based on how cool they look and uh and i don't want to i don't want to exclude the sequel trilogy because the sequel trilogy had some stunning characters as well i mean we all got immediately attached to the knights of wren and i think literally we had one second of screen of of a lightning of a lightning flash with kylo ren and his his squad and you're like i want to see more of those guys you know And, and it's it's it was that long, you know, that split second. We were a lot of like Knights of Ren. What, who are they? We want to know more. So star Wars fans, I think in general, are kind of um, expecting almost that like we, we look for that kind of thing now. And Dominic mentioned this, this very thing. He's like, the reason why I'm taking advantage of this is because I know star Wars fans and I yeah. know they love these background characters and I'm one of them. So I want to make myself available and take advantage of that hype and, and, and be there for them. So uh, it's a thing that we, I think is pretty unique to star Wars character or to star Wars fans. I don't see it often in many other franchises. Um, you know, I'm a big Jurassic park fan and sometimes we'll get attached to some background characters. Um, but not nearly to the level, uh, nobody's asking who lab coat number one from the first movie is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but if it was a star Wars fan, we'd be like, we know that guy's backstory. We know whose yeah. mother was. <laughs> sure. yeah. Uh, so it's really cool, and, and I hope that that continues on uh, in, in in future installments. You know, I I would love to learn more about the Knights of Ren. I know they're getting their own comic book; they're kind of getting their own backstory there. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool. And um uh and the these Sith troopers, like I mean, they I know this Rise of Skywalker is kind of a touchy issue issue, but the 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 backstory that they have created for uh, the Sith troopers in the fleet that was on Exegol. Uh, is is pretty interesting i wish it was in the movie but you know that's neither here nor there uh the story that they did come up with is actually pretty interesting and it's kind of cool to hear and uh learning more about these sith troopers and who they were where they came from uh as long along with um all these other people that were that were flying the star destroyers and stuff it's like yeah star wars fans love that stuff and and i'm looking forward to uh to the i can't wait for obi-wan kenobi series how many cool background characters are going to be on tatooine and you know obi-wan's going to have to deal with those guys
0: Okay, Scuttle Buddies, prepare to be edumacated. We've acquired the services of famous former holodrama star and lecturer at the U of C. Check out Dr. Sonny Ravencourt at the University of Coruscant. You guys mostly picked bounty hunters for your favorite side characters. Folks like Boba Fett, Aura Singh, and Dominic Pace's Gecko in The Mandalorian. So, as a special treat, we had Dr. Ravencourt prepare today's lecture... On Bounty Hunters. Let's check it out, my friends. School's in session.
5: Really, Todd? Just Bounty Hunters? Nothing more specific? Well, did their credits clear? Oh, alrighty then. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Dr. Sonny Ravencourt, a famous former holodrama star and now guest lecturer at the University of Coruscant. Find my lectures at universityofcoruscant.com and podcatchers everywhere. Some guys from Scarif apparently have too many credits on their hands, so they've donated some to the university to have me speak about bounty hunters. And if the credits work, then so do I. So here we go. So you want to be a bounty hunter? Well, that's pretty non-specific. I mean, if you're paid to pick up your neighbor's toddler from the weekday daycare, then I mean, I guess that's kind of bounty hunting, right? Particularly if the toddler doesn't want to go home. Probably don't want to assassinate him and then try to collect half though. I mean, not all bounties have that option. So the big question is, where do you get the contracts? Well, historically, you go to the Bounty Hunters Guild, which was an ancient institution that was tremendously strong right up until about the Battle of Yavin. It was comprised of many smaller specialty houses, which all reported up to a guildmaster. And if you know nothing else about the Bounty Hunter Guild, well, you should know that there is a code. All bounty hunters lived by it and worked under the code, and here it is. Number one, no bounty is worth dying for. Number two, people don't have bounties, only acquisitions have bounties. Number three, capture by decision, kill by necessity. I get the feeling that this one wasn't always followed, but I mean, it's not called the Assassination Guild, is it? Number four, no hunter shall interfere with another's hunt. Number five, in the hunt, one captures or kills, never both. And number six, No hunter shall refuse aid to another hunter. So, in a Camino shell, that's about it. You break the code and you might find yourself on the wrong side of it, becoming an acquisition yourself. And if that's the case, well, good luck, punk. Oh, the credits have run out. (laughs) Time's up. Todd, send that to Scarif and can you put half of the credits in a bag for me? This is reminding me that I got to take care of that guy with the thing from the day or else... I'm gonna be the thing that somebody else puts in a bag.
0: Getting back to the uh, the creative teams that uh, put all that stuff together, um, you know, it's uh, the attention to detail that they gave us, uh, you know, just uh, something a little bit for us to chew on when it comes to background characters. Um, let's uh, take a break and listen to another one of our voicemails. And uh, later on, we're going to uh, play Trevor Beast four five four. He's uh, recorded another uh, set of questions for us for Sentry Mode, and uh, we will see uh, what kind of answers we can give him. Um, we uh, love answering Sentry Mode questions, but that'll be a little later on uh, in the show. But uh, let's listen to some more voicemails and see what we got.
4: On the streets of Coruscant Hi, this is Nicholas And thinking about what you said about looking forward I am glad that they are wrapped up with uh, this sequel trilogy And as someone who came from the OT trilogy As as what was my Star Wars I'm glad that they're going to get away from those movies from those legacy characters because between the expanded universe and everything we've uh, built up in our minds, uh, nothing can live up to that. So no matter what they did, we weren't going to be happy, but now they can get away from that and go to something new. I think it uh, is a good chance for a lot of us to get back on board uh, with the new movies. Anyways, that's just my thought and you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for the messages on our voicemail. Again, the Scarif voicemail hotline. Give us a call anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, as they say. The phone number is 773-234-8659. Send us a message. Tell us about what you are thinking about. Tell us if you like the podcast. Tell us what you don't like. But leave us a message because we really love hearing about what you have to say, uh, especially when we uh, put out these, uh, these topics. We'd love to hear what your take is on what we are talking about. So uh, m- uh, one of our regular followers and friends, Mr. Daft Prawn, uh, was talking about background characters, and he talks about a lot of creepy characters in Jabba's Palace. Uh, one specifically, um, I want to say Banana Man but it's an anagram, so it's it's Anna Man, and uh, he he's the guy in the background, and he looks like a f- flat banana, and he's in the corner, and uh, I'm not sure if you remember what he looks like, but basically, like I said, he looks like a flat banana sitting in the corner, but he's got a, he's holding a staff, and talk about attention to detail. This staff is uh, adorned with like human skulls. So it's one of those things where it's like, wow, I want to know what his story is. Um, So it's uh, it's it's very interesting when it comes to to these background characters, especially in places like Jabba's Palace, because we got a lot of uh, background characters that uh, we'd love to to check out and see what their story uh, story is. Another follower, Pizza and Parsecs, talks about the IG series of droids. Obviously, IG88 and uh, IG11. I was very happy to see, uh, and and I think they did a really great job with animating uh, IG11 when he shoots. I I really didn't, I didn't, you know, owning the toy back when I was a kid. I really, you know, couldn't fathom how they would uh, actually make him uh, move around. So uh, kudos to them. Again, one of our friends, fan dads, Victor. uh, He talks about. uh, Dengar is it Dengar or Denjar? I think it's Dengar, the bounty hunter.
2: Depends. I guess I guess Denjar. Denjar.
0: Yeah, yeah, So uh he talks about uh he always had an affinity to uh the bounty hunter, uh of that name. Um, but uh yeah, there's a you know a lot of great characters. Um and, and talking about great characters, you know, Dominic Pace, uh, our friend Dominic from The Mandalorian uh Gecko. A lot of people have chosen uh, to really like Gecko. Obviously, there's people that are creating action figures, uh, and hopefully, we'll get an official Black Series action figures. Like I said, I've got a spot right here next to Luke and uh, Prototype Boba Fett uh, on my wall here, uh, ready to go, Dominic. You know, we posted uh, the picture of Dominic's character, uh, Gecko, and uh, I just want to point out here. Here's the picture uh and uh i just want to point out that uh the artist uh responsible for this lovely picture uh i think is going to be on the podcast sometime soon and uh, her name is Aubrey Eden Dukes if you guys uh, are on twitter please follow her she's a great artist uh she does a lot of great work and and i think we're going to have her on the show i just uh, talked to her uh, just a few seconds ago so uh she would be honored it would be her first podcast her first interview, and I think, uh, think it would be really cool to talk to her about her work.
2: What's up, Star Wars fans? Today's episode of the Scarif Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Organically Wonderful. Organically Wonderful is a small business that is dedicated to bringing you 100% pure, organic, non-toxic beauty products like dry shampoo and body oil. And if you go to their website and check out the list of things that you can buy, and then when you buy them, you can type in Scuttle Buddies 15 and get 15% off your entire purchase. That's Scuttle Buddies 15 for 15% off. Head on down to organicallywonderful.com and say thank you to Organically Wonderful for bringing you the Scuttle Scuttlebutt podcast. And may the force be with you.
3: is lovely, dear, walking along the shores of Canto Bike. I don't know, dear. It feels like I'm getting sunburned. At night?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Are you so pale that you're at risk of getting moonburn? That's no moon.
3: Did you put on the Tuscan tan like I told you? Uh, no. Now you've done it.
5: (laughs) Tuscan tan sunscreen. Guaranteed to protect you from a single reactor blast. Or moonlight. (laughs) Don't want to end up like Alderan. Grab a bottle of Tuscan Tan. Tuscan Tan has not been authorized for use on Mustafar.
0: So we have an age-old dilemma uh, comparing background characters. We have the Boba Fett camp versus the Captain Phasma camp. I was doing a little research, and uh, both of them are very similar uh, when it comes to their limited screen time and their lines. I, I think it's uh, six minutes versus eight minutes, respectively. Um, but again, you know, it, it's all about how they look, uh, Alex. Uh, Boba Fett with his uh, wonderful armor. You've got Captain Phasma with, uh, with her amazing look. But, uh, you know, when it comes to actors uh, behind the bucket there, you know, there's a. I think uh, Jeremy Bullock at the time was less known than the actress that played Captain Phasma. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the uh, folks behind the scene be, uh, under the masks, uh, especially with uh, Captain Phasma?
2: Yeah, we have uh, Gwendolyn Christie, uh, who is a fantastic actress, who I think most people would probably recognize her as Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. Uh, she was a fantastic character on that TV show, uh, very well acted, and very had a great physical. Um, Uh, presence on screen and uh, she for the most part i feel like she brought that really well in the force awakens for phasma it was an intimidating character we didn't get much from her but it was just enough uh to be intrigued and um it was uh it it was the reason why we brought this up or why we're talking about this is because i had i had seen something on twitter somebody was talking about how uh um phasma let me make sure I'm getting this right. I think it was Phasma will never be to the level of Boba Fett because Boba Fett has this, this wonderful black backstory that, um, that George Lucas created for him and he's integral to the story of the Star Wars, uh, movies that we watch. And I just kind of commented, I'm like, you know, when the original trilogy came out, um, Boba Fett had probably less if, you know, maybe equal, if not less, um, of a story than captain phasma does with this sequel trilogy. So, you know, I, I didn't think it was fair to include the prequel trilogy storyline because that came almost 20 years after, uh, his character became popular. And I think the only, and I, I, I personally believe that the only reason why he had such a huge presence in the, in the prequel trilogy was because George knew how popular he was and he wanted to, uh, to, take advantage of that as far as the fans go and taking advantage of, of this um, this fantastic looking character with his armor. It was iconic and George, you know, was very smart as he always is with his, his franchise. And he was like, we're going to use that and we're going to make something out of it. So my, my argument wasn't necessarily that one was better than the other. I was just pointing out that like, I don't think it was fair to judge Phasma at the same level that we're judging Fett because Fett has had, 20 plus years of fan interactions and, and backstory and and movies taking place um, that he had his footprint on as opposed to Phasma who, who only has these uh, the, the two movies. Actually, she didn't even show up in the third one uh, just these two movies that she was in. And I was like, arguably in my opinion, I think if you're just looking at the original trilogy and, and uh, and Boba Fett there and the sequel trilogy with captain Phasma there, I personally see them almost as equals. As far as that goes, they both look stunning. Um, They have this great um, kind of like arch nemesis to one of our main characters, you know, uh, Boba Fett with Han Solo. And then we have Finn with Captain Phasma. Her backstory with where her armor came from is, is really intriguing that she got it from a uh, uh, Palpatine's old Naboo cruiser. And that's why it's like, oh, yeah. it's like extra strong and it's got this, you know, this extra element of protection for her and she's above the rest of the, the normal stormtroopers. And, uh, and you know, the other thing they kind of expounded on it. Um, I think it was after the fact, but one of the reasons why she allowed the shields to go, to go down on, on, um, Killer bases. Cause she, she really didn't have as much of a, um, as a loyalty, to the first order, as she put on, uh, she kind of put a face on, as far as being this leader of the first order. But when it really came down to it, she's like, "No, I'm loyal to myself." And that was explored, I believe, in her book a little bit more too. So these characters, I think they're really both really cool. I love Gwendolyn Christie behind the mask. I think she has a great presence. I think physically, it looks it's a fantastic character. Um, and and to me, I I feel like they're on the equal playing field as far as like. They're so cool, so awesome. They both kind of get punked. Let's be honest. Boba Fett went out like sure. a dump. <laughs> he went out, he went out with like yeah. a slapstick humor. And I, I'm gonna upset people for saying that. I know I love him just as much as you guys do, but like George kind of punked him. His death was not that glorious. Sure. And um I think honestly, as far as the death scene goes, Phasma had a had a more meaningful death with Finn kind of finally standing up to her and beating her in one combat. I would have liked to have seen something like that for Fett, you know, versus Han Solo, but you know that's not what we got, so it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I just that's just my opinion on on the two. I think they're I think they're both great. I I, I like them equally. Um, obviously, Boba Fett has been explored much more. I believe that to be the the reason of he's had twenty years of uh, of being in the middle of the fandom. Uh, and and people wanting to explore his character, and I think given that same chance, Phasma could be equally as explored, and uh, and all that stuff. That's that was just me. That's my hot take uh, for this Scariffs Got podcast today.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and I d- definitely agree. You know, uh, again, just you know, Star Wars is based in the galaxy with uh, rich stories and rich characters. There's a lot there to uh, you know to take in. Uh, from Boba Fett to Phasma to Gecko, uh, you know I I can't wait to see. uh, Hopefully, Gecko and Dominic Pace will have uh, another chance to grace us with, uh, with, uh, with that character. I think season two. uh, Hopefully, you know Dominic will be called back, and we'll get to see a little bit more about Gecko or maybe a comic book. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, and speaking of gecko, uh, again, you know, I mentioned the artist, uh, you know, Aubrey Eaton Dukes. We're going to give away this autographed uh, image, uh, the uh, character card with uh, Dominic's uh, signature on it, uh, after um, we post this episode. It's one of those things, again, the Star Wars uh, has so much richness when it comes to story and character that uh, we could be talking forever. Uh, about background characters. You know, one of my favorite characters that uh, I forgot to mention from The Empire Strikes Back is Lobot. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, you can tell that there was, uh, you know, uh, Han Solo story aside, that there must have been some sort of, you know, friendship relationship between Lando and, and Lobot. Uh, I'd love to have uh, would have seen, I, I would have loved to see you know, some great adventures with the two. I think they uh, they worked well together. Uh, And I can't remember the actor's name. I think he recently passed away a couple of, uh, like, two years ago. Before we leave, we are going to leave you with Trevor Beast 454, the curator, master, quizmaster of Star Wars over on Sporkle.com. If you guys want to check that out, uh, you want to get some more trivia in your head, uh, check out uh, his posts, Trevor Beast 454 He's got Sentry Mode coming up, and uh, we're going to see how you guys fare. I want to tell you guys about our giveaway. If you guys record a segment, do your best Scarif station ID. Say something like, you're listening to the Scaref Scuttlebutt Podcast. Post it tag us uh we are giving away this ray bobblehead it's a really cool wobbly bobbly jerkily workily ray bobblehead (laughs) to uh to whoever posts the best scarif station id and will use it in upcoming episodes just say something like, "Hey, this is X." You know, this is so and so, and you're listening to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And uh, tag us. Uh, let us know that you did it, uh, that you submitted it, and uh, we will pick the best one, use it on this uh, the podcast, and we'll give you the Ray bobblehead. I, I posted a couple of pictures of it. It's really cool. Um, I come across these things uh, at stores when I'm uh, shopping with the wife. And uh, I love uh, buying these things uh, for for giveaways. So spreading a little Star Wars cheer.
5: This is Sentry
3: Mode! Hello there, scuttle buddies. Welcome back to Sentry Mode. I'm Trevor Beast, 454, curator of the Star Wars subcategory on Sporkle.com. And today, we're covering some background-slash-secondary characters of Star Wars. We've got five trivia questions and a subjective bonus question. Let's get it started right now. Question one. What is the name of the female Jedi Council member who belongs to the same species as Yoda? And which movie does she appear in? Question two. In The Empire Strikes Back, along with Boba Fett, Which other bounty hunter can be heard speaking aboard the Super Star Destroyer Executor? Question three. Which chapters of The Mandalorian season one does the bounty hunter Gecko appear in? Played by Dominic Pace. Question four. What is the name of the crime lord and smuggler that gave Ezra a lead on Kanan's whereabouts in exchange for an unconditional favor in the Rebel Season 1 episode, Rebel Resolve. Question five, in Return of the Jedi, what is the name of the Blue Orderlin and leader of his own 12 member band seen in Jabba's palace? And lastly, as an opinionated question pertaining to the Orderlin character in question five, do you think it was egotistical for the group's name to be the character's full name Followed by the word banned. Or at least lacking creativity. Let us know. Call in or tweet your answers to these questions. At Scarif Podcast. And if you're interested in more Star Wars trivia. Check out Sporkle.com games subcategory Slash Star Wars S-P-O-R-C-L-E dot com As there's hundreds of exciting Star Wars quizzes out there. Thank you And see you next time.
5: This is Sentry Mode.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Trevor Beast454, for coming back for that great, uh, really great Sentry Mode segment. But uh, before we go, we want to remind you and everyone out there who is listening to us in the hollow sphere, that if you are a connoisseur of sci-fi and fantasy films and you like discussing said films, head on over to the Salty Nerd Podcast, the podcast run by my co-host here, Alex, how are things over at the
2: SNP headquarters? Oh, it's great. We have a good time. We uh, we sit down, chat about movies, chat about the stuff we care about, and uh, get some salt <laughs> some salty takes on it, and kind of make poke a little fun at nerd culture sometimes. And uh, you know, it's it's a good time. It's uh, I think you describe it really well, and I appreciate that um, that you say it's like hanging out with your friends at the bar talking about movies. And uh, that's kind of the vibe that I want to get. Uh, I do like getting into some of the deeper topics. I know we discussed Birds of Prey uh, last week. Uh, we talk about the uh, the ever-changing format of the current generation of Star Trek and whether or not it's something that should be done or if Trek is forgetting its roots. Uh, we take on some deeper topics, and uh, we're not afraid to criticize, but we're also not afraid to uh, to say what we like and uh we yeah we just have fun so if you guys want to listen to it it's available on itunes spotify stitcher iheart Radio, and available now on Intune, which means you can ask your alexa device to play the salt podcast and we will pop up into your living room sound system uh so that's pretty cool uh but that yeah thank awesome. you roe we appreciate that and uh if you guys can leave us a review on itunes after listening to a few episodes if you love it if you hate it uh, drop us some comments. It helps us grow. And uh, we appreciate you guys taking the chance to listen.
0: That is awesome. It, uh, as of this recording uh, on Thursday night, uh, I was expecting the latest episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast. I know you've been busy uh, with other things, but uh, I, I, uh, I always look forward to uh, what you guys have to say. It's a great team that you've uh, gathered um, you know, besides, uh, you know, besides hanging out at a bar or a coffee shop, listening you know, talking about movies. I, I, I think
2: I also s- said that you guys, you guys are like C, C span for, for geek culture. Really, really cool. <laughs> we, I, I, personally try to take kind of like, a um, a meta view at uh, nerd culture, it's flaws and it's, it's awesomeness, uh, all at once. Uh, cause it's nothing's perfect. And I'm, I'm, I, I try to, um, I try to lean on the middle ground and kind of see things both ways. Cause I, I don't like getting caught up too much in, uh, in one, one direction or the other. Uh, but it, yeah, it's a ton of fun. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping someday that you'll make a trip down here cause we do everything live, not live, but we do everything in person. Uh, you know, it's fantastic that we have the technology to sit down and talk to each other, uh, being in two different cities, but uh, there is just something about having somebody sitting across from you in the room that completely changes the dynamic of the conversation. And uh, and that's one of the things that I think makes our podcast special. Um, and, and I can't wait for the day where you come down to Vegas and you can guest star on it and, uh, and, and sit in that extra seat that we have waiting for you, Row. It's going to be a ton of fun.
0: That is amazing. It's uh, Just thinking about it makes me nervous because you guys have <laughs> such a great... Uh, all, all you guys have such great rapport that, uh, it's, it's almost like I would be the third wheel, uh, on a date and I I don't (laughs) want to do that. It it really frightens me, man.
2: No, you'll fit in just, you'll fit in perfectly, man. It's a ton of fun. Uh, don't be, I, am always just a little liquored up. (laughs) So that definitely helps out. Uh, but this week we had a ton of fun. Uh, Matt Vader, who's my co-host, he's an awesome guy. He had some serious hot takes. Uh, regarding a, sub, uh, a specific subject this week, and it was hilarious. It, he totally caught me off guard, and it, it's it's going to be something to witness, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it.
0: So, uh, Alex, uh, thank you again for uh, joining me on tonight's of Scuttlebutt podcast episode. We are talking about Star Wars background characters, if you are new to the channel, let everybody know that you're enjoying the podcast. We can be found everywhere on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, Podcast.com, SoundCloud, and uh, iHeartRadio. We've got a YouTube channel that we've slapped uh, these episodes up there together, too. We're just having a lot of fun talking Star Wars. Alex, thank you very much again for your friendship and your uh, camaraderie. It is a blast always talking to you, my friend.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for having me a part of the team. I'm glad I can be here for the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast uh, to take a look at Star Wars in a brand new light. <laughs> so we've got a another uh, crossover
0: episode planned with uh, our friends Andrew and Marisha uh, over at uh, Coruscant Radio Underground. Uh, we recently did another uh, crossover episode with our friend Rob over at Jedi Temple Archives, which was also a lot of fun. You know, hashtag pod people. We got it. We got it where it's at, man. We were going places, man. We love it. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. Alex, you have, as always, the last word. What do you say?
2: And that's the scuttlebutt.
0: Thank you, everybody.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.